wouldn't it be great if in 2022 that each of us made $10,000 more than we made this year? Wouldn't that be great? That would be great. Wouldn't it be awesome that if in 2022 you could lose 25 pounds? Maybe some of you said that would be sweet. That would just be the stuff right there. You know, we, we could all tend to be a little bit healthier than we are, and we'd love that. Wouldn't it be great that if in 2022 that, that this was the year that you spent quality time with your family and you made memories that mattered? That's a great goal, right? Something we want. Wouldn't it be great in next year if you were able to vacation in Italy? Anybody up for that one? Anybody in the back up for a vacation in Italy? That'd be awesome. Any of you been to Italy? Anybody in here? Okay, got some? Take us with you next time. Uh, wouldn't it be great that if next year in 2022 that you had the relationships right now that are in your life that are a little bit broken or busted up or maybe there's an argument going on in your family. You think of uh, maybe those cousins or those sisters or you know, your brother or who, whatever the dynamic is. Wouldn't it be great that if those relationships that are struggling get restored? Amen. Wouldn't that be great? That would be incredible. None of us wants to live in a, a life where there's fighting and uh, resentment and bitterness. Wouldn't it be great if in 2022 you read your Bible from start to finish? That would be awesome. Listen to this. I just want to reflect on those things. Those are all things that's like when we hear those like great goals and aspirations, we say, oh, that'd be so awesome. I wish that would happen to me. I wish that would take place in my life. All of those things are great, and all of those things have one thing in common, and it's this. None of them will happen in your life on accident. Not one. You do not read your Bible from start to finish on accident. Ha! Just happened to read my Bible this year all the way through. I don't know how it happened. It just, eh, it just happened. I, you know what? Uh, I just don't know, don't know how it happened. I just I can't. I keep losing weight, man. It's just, just coming right off me. I just, I just happen to eat healthy foods and just, just happens that way naturally. Um, we don't just stumble upon these positive changes, right? Uh, these, these are intentional things that we need to, to pay attention to. Nobody, this may be my quote, my quotable quote of the night. Nobody gets a six-pack of abs on accident. It just doesn't happen. It's not, you know, when it's, you're not taken by surprise one day. Uh, you know, if you've ever watched a Spider-Man movie, he, he maybe got bit by a spider and he wakes up just like a beefcake, right? He's like, oh man, how did this happen? None of us ever, ever going to experience something like that for the things that we want in our life. Um, but the same is true with the health of your relationship with Jesus. When it comes to following Christ... And if you say, I really want a healthy relationship with Jesus, I want to love him, I want to serve him, I want to experience God's blessings, I want this thing that I hear about in church on Sunday, I want to tell you that it doesn't happen on accident. It happens intentionally. I'm going to read you some scripture verses to kind of 
whet your appetite a little bit. In John chapter 10, verse 10, there's a, a life that is described. John 10, 10 says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And we, we experience that sometimes in our life. We experience that devil, that enemy in our life, and our, he's trying to mess things up. He's trying to steal and kill and destroy. But listen to what Jesus has for us. He says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Who in here wants life more abundantly? Is anybody up for that? We want that. We want our life to be described like Jesus says, not of uh, death and destruction, but one of life and peace and joy. Um, in, Psalm, in Psalm 1, I want you to turn there. Psalm 1 is an incredible, uh, incredible chapter of the Bible. In Psalm 1, in verse number 3, the Bible says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now who wants that to be said of them? That everything you do is going to prosper, that, that you are like that thriving tree. You are planted, you are fed, you are watered, and you're good to go. Does anybody, that, that, wouldn't that be awesome for that to be part of your life? In John chapter 15, verse 8 the, the, the Bible says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Who in here says, I want to bear some spiritual fruit next year? I want to bear it in my life. I want spiritual fruit. I want to see people that I know get saved. I want to exude kindness and love and joy and peace and patience. Let, let it come on. I'm, I'm, I want to tell you tonight, and what we're going to see is like this is not an accidental thing. Those things in your life do not come by accident. Um, in, in Psalm chapter 1, where we read about that tree that is uh, prospering and its leaves are not withering, there are some intentional actions beforehand that happen. Uh, the fact that somebody is taking uh, effort to not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, that there's intentional action to delight in the law of the Lord and in His law meditate day and night. What we're going to see tonight is that the things that we want out of a life that we read about with God do not come in your life just by happenstance. You cannot exist and bear these fruits in your life. In Acts chapter 2, we get this really awesome picture in church. And uh, it describes the church there in Acts 2. It says, Acts 2.46, And they, continuing daily in, with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. A unified church, right? It says they were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Who wants to see people added to the church? Does anybody in here want that? It's amazing. It would be awesome. But it's not going to happen on accident. And that's the point of the next two weeks. None of these things happen accidentally. 
Uh, accidental means that they happen by chance or unexpectedly. They just happen. It's like, it's like you, uh, you trip on accident, right? You spill something on accident. But no one follows Jesus on accident. You follow Jesus intentionally. Nobody learns to walk in the Spirit on accident. You learn to walk in the Spirit intentionally. Nobody uh, gains the benefits that come from delighting in God's Word unless they delight in God's Word intentionally. Does that make sense? See, the truth is, um, God is a God of design and order. We, we will say all day, you know, we're, we're not, the Bible doesn't teach evolution. We talk about that. Listen, it's, it's not about that this earth began by happenstance. It, all of these uh, very intricate details of DNA and the human body and the way nature is formed, all of that happened just, just by some cosmic accident. We don't believe in that. We believe that God is a God of order. He designed it. He planned it. He made it a certain way. And uh, even as scientists look at the human body and the, the nature of the cells and DNA and the way our eyes work and the way our body works, each part having an intended purpose. There's a thoughtful design to the universe. God is a God of design. He doesn't do things by accident. I believe that God has gifted you with free will. The, the ability to do what you want to do, to do what, what you want with what you have, to do what you can do. I believe he's gifted us with ambition, with desire, with this uh, blessing of vision, and with an extremely clear guide of his word so that we can design our lives intentionally around his priorities. Have I lost anybody yet? All right, good. Listen, over the next two weeks, here's what I want to do. I want to, see, I believe that this time of the year, I love this time of the year. Anybody else love this time? It's great. Uh, I like the snow. I don't like being cold. I hate being cold. I like the snow. I like the Christmas movies on Hallmark. I like it all. It's great. Uh, But this time of year, if you manage it well, gives you some time to slow down just a little bit and think. You've got about one month here before you start a new year. Uh, new year, a lot. it just seems like it's kind of a launching pad. Things change in the new year, right? It's that be- new beginning. We, we love that in our lives. We, all, we love a new day. When we had a bad day, you know, tomorrow comes and it's a blessing. Uh, God's mercies are new every morning. And we look toward the new year. This time right now in your life gives you a second to slow down and to reevaluate where you're at. And I truly believe it is a gift that God has given you. It's a freedom that you have. We love our freedoms here in America, right? We love to be free and do what we choose. Listen, God has given you a freedom, an ability to stop to consider your life, the pieces and the parts and the actions and the behavior and your motives and your mindset, to evaluate those things according to God's word and to plan ahead to live for him intentionally. Listen, I, I, I truly believe 
God wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to work in your family. He wants to teach you how to live a life full of the fruit of the Spirit, a life of fruitfulness, to see people saved and trust Christ and relationships restored like we talked about, to see people added to the church. I believe that, and I want those things, and we want those things. But I will tell you that if you just hope they're going to happen and you don't intentionally plan to put those things in your life, it's not going to happen. It's going to be a dream and a wish, and you're going to be saying, I wonder why. Why isn't this, why can't my life work out like this person? There are certain things you can do in planning what you do in your life that will help you live for Jesus intentionally. There are no accidental disciples. Disciples follow Christ in a thought-out way. When I say intentionally, It's the same intention that God has when he designs the world in a certain order. He designed it. He thought out exactly how he wanted it to be. And you can do that with your schedule and your budget and your time and your priorities, your career. You can do that. God gives you that freedom and that ability to do that. Intentional means done with design, means done with purpose. And... um, So here's where we're going to go. Tonight, week one, we're going to answer the question. Here's the question. Where am I now? Where am I now? If you know where you want to go, you you really can't get there. You really can't start going there until you know where you are right now. You know, when when you've got a... How many of you love using the GPS feature on your phone? I love the GPS. I'm never lost with Apple Maps anymore. I can just say at any time, take me home. And as long as it can locate where I am right now, it can get me wherever I want to go. But you have to know where you are before you can figure out where you need to go. So tonight we're going to answer the question, where am I now? Uh, you have to answer this question before putting any plan into action. Where, where are you? Where's your launching place? Where are you starting from? And then next week, I want to answer the question, okay, now that I know where I am, where do I start? How do I practically uh, put this into place? And so think of it as a little bit of a Bible teaching, a little bit of a workshop. Okay, can we have, we'll have some fun with it for the next couple of weeks. Because I, I take this time uh, every year to plan. And God really, if, if you take this time, does anybody in here love to plan? Let me just see who I'm working with. Who loves to plan? Yeah? How many of you love to plan vacations? Anybody in here, you're a vacation planner? Okay. Uh, does anybody like to like, um, maybe you plan like how you design your house, like interior decorating type stuff? Listen, we will spend thousands of dollars, meet with architects, meet with designers to plan out our bathrooms, but we don't take five minutes to plan out our life and our walk with God. See, we have, to, we have to rethink some things. We will spend all of our waking, you know, when you're, when you're planning a vacation, a trip, um, those of you that are the vacation planner in your, in your household, uh, you will spend those late nights, you know, we, we would get the kids to bed and we would sit down at the computer and we'd look things up and we would read about it and we'd strategize, you know, wherever we're going, how to get the most out of it and, and make sure we went to the best places and got the best deals. And we put all this effort into planning a one-week trip, a two-week trip. 
I'm just inviting you and trying to challenge you over the next two weeks. Take this window of opportunity, meaning December, before the year begins, and put in the same effort you would toward planning a maybe a, a nursery remodel if you're having a baby, or a bathroom remodel, or putting in new kitchen cabinets, or whatever, planning a vacation. Put it into planning out your life, live for Christ, because you can do that. Um, so next week is, is the nuts and bolts. Where do I start? How do I do that? All right, you ready to go? Cool. This is going to be fun. You all have like note, note paper? You don't have to take notes. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do my best to uh, walk you through this here. All right, this week we're going to answer the question, where am I now? Where are you? Where are you in your relationship with Jesus right now? Where are you? When you talk about answering that question of where are you, we're really going to look at three words tonight. The first word is evaluation. The second word we're going to look at is direction. And the third word we're going to look at is a nice Bible word, and it's called repentance. Say, man, this is supposed to be encouraging. Trust me, it will be. This will be a help to you if you walk yourself through this project. I want to invite you to evaluate where you are right now. Evaluate... um, Within the evaluation, it's evaluating three things. Evaluate your love, what you care about. Evaluating your motives, why you're doing what you're doing. And I'm going to challenge you to evaluate your health. How healthy are the important parts of your life? How healthy are, is what you're doing? Are you doing it in, in the proper way? I want you to see in Matthew 22, verse 37. We're going to look at some scripture tonight. Matthew 22, verse 37 The Bible says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I want to invite you, step one, evaluation. You've got to spend a focused time to figure out where you are. You've got to spend some time of evaluation. Uh, if, you, if you work a job, sometimes it's, some people like it, some people don't like it. Getting feedback and eva- somebody evaluating how you're doing. I'm inviting you to evaluate yourself, okay? And, and one of the ways the best to do this, sometimes we like to give ourselves, uh, we like to uh, make um, excuses. Anyone ever make excuses? We like to do that for ourselves. Imagine you're giving advice to one of your friends while you're thinking about yourself because we don't, we're a little bit harsher on other people sometimes than we are on our own selves. We'll make excuses, but we can tell other people honestly where they are. But let's evaluate. Let's evaluate our love. What do you care about in your life? Uh, Jesus said the very first thing that should be the priority of your heart is that of your love for God. To love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. you got to think about that. As you go into evaluate, evaluate your love. Where is your heart right now? 
How much do you think about God? Where is it? And the second love is how focused is your life on others? Is it focused mainly on what you want? Or is it focused on what God wants? Or is it focused on what God wants you to do for others? Uh, we've got to evaluate our love. We've got to evaluate our motives. Um, in Psalm 139, uh, verse 23, when it comes to evaluation, the Bible teaches this principle. Uh, he prays, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I'm going to challenge you after tonight to spend some time in evaluation. This is one of those verses you can pray. When was the last time you paused in your life and you asked God, God, search me. Search my motives. Search my heart. Search the things I care about. Point out my values, God. Show me, is there any wicked way in me? Is there anything in my thoughts that are wrong? Is there anything in my heart that is wrong? God, show me and lead me. When we talk about evaluating our love and our cares, uh, our motives, 1 John chapter 2 gives us some great perspective. And this is so important for the believer because we're called out. We're called out of the world. We've talked about that in weeks past. We're called out to follow Christ. We're separate unto him. 1 John 2 tells us this in verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The idea is that our love is supposed to be number one priority with the Lord. Heart, soul, mind, strength. But there's this world that we get really caught up in. How are you doing Evaluate that. How attached are you to the things of the world versus the things of God? The Bible says, neither the things that are in the world. Are there any things that really have uh, a hold on you? It says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus speaks kind of in this same realm. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. God, um, there are some tools that I like to use for evaluation, okay? I want, I, want to, I want to point these out to you. Some things, as you sit down to evaluate, here's some important tools. These are just practical advice here. Number one is your Bible. Your Bible. Um, th- this is, uh, sometimes we read this so we can teach others. Sometimes we read devotions about this. You know, we read other words of other people about the Bible for encouragement and help and maybe daily guidance. But the Bible itself, sitting down and reading this text, is meant to be, uh, the Bible calls it the perfect law of liberty. It's, uh, it's meant to be like a mirror. Uh, you look into this mirror uh, and it, it tells you things about yourself that you may have forgotten or you may not notice. Uh, it, it, 
it, God speaks to your motives. It's, the Bible calls itself alive. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And if you're evaluating your heart, telling God to search your heart, there's no greater way to cut through the confusion of what the world may be telling you than to get in the Bible. Uh, you may, you may want to pick up in uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and, and when Jesus starts teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, you may want to read through that and question your values and your motives and your love for Him. Uh, you, you get your Bible and you read it. You may want to start in the book of Proverbs and start in chapter 1 and just read and make note and highlight things that stand out to you. Uh, but this is one of your best tools. This is probably your best tool. But the Bible, uh, the, a couple other things that are really important solitude. When you're evaluating yourself, don't, don't do it with all the kids around. Don't sit down at the kitchen table with your spouse and just get alone. If you don't have time to get alone, you need to figure out how to find some time to get alone. Uh, you, this is how we do things intentionally. When something's important to you, you spend time on it. And uh, I, I believe God would have you to do that. Uh, solitude. Sometimes it helps me, just practically speaking, to have a book, a uh, book, uh, a Bible-based book that, along with my Bible, I'll read uh, something that's more kind of self-reflective, that talks about a certain area of life, whether that's marriage, whether that's how to use your time, uh, and those things really help. Um, outside of that, you got your Bible, you got to spend some time alone in solitude, you've got another book, uh, get, some, get, get some blank paper or a whiteboard. And, and honestly, you maybe you've never done this before. You say, Pastor Chris, you're talking crazy. I just don't do this. Try it. Get a piece of paper, get a little notepad, get a sticky note or whatever you want to do. And as God tells you things, write it down. And here's how I evaluate um, my life. And I'm just going to give you some insight into this. Um, so what I normally do is I'll start on a, whether a piece of paper or a whiteboard, and I will make a list of the roles that I have that God's given me. Um, I, maybe that role is father, husband, pastor, brother. And you think through those areas of responsibility that you have in your life. What, what, are you, what has God given you to do? Uh, you know, put your job up on there. And as you, what happens is you begin to see your life from you kind of a step back view. You see, oh, this is the totality of who I am. These are the roles that make up me. You know, I am these things. And as you go through that, uh, God will speak to you about those things. And, and what I do is I rate the healthiness of my life priorities. I, I go through and I think about these areas, father, husband, pastor, brother, I think about my life, and I may make another list about uh, evaluate your, where you're at mentally. Where, where, how's your mental health? How's your physical health? Uh, how is your financial health? How is your spiritual health? How is your relationship health when it comes to these relationships as a father or a husband or, uh, you know, in, in your job? You, you start to question these things, and you begin to evaluate, and you say, God, search me. Show me. Is anything here not right. Is anything outside of these priorities I read uh, in, in your word? Here's some questions um, that I would ask myself and that you can ask yourself. When it comes to my life and what I do, do I love what God loves? Uh, one of, um, next week we're going to see some tools uh, that God, that you can really utilize 
Uh, one being a schedule, two being, uh, so you got schedules, budgets, and habits is really where we're going next week. Those three things make up a huge chunk of living intentionally in your life. Uh, God has built into us the ability to form habits, uh, to plan our day with a schedule, and to spend our money. The Bible says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So when I ask the question, do I love what God loves, I, I do need to evaluate those things. What am I spending my time on? What am I spending my money on? Uh, what, am I, what am I doing? Uh, do, I, do my priorities of loving God first show up in my life practically? Um, uh, do I, you know, you can question whether that, that means uh, going to church, uh, that l- means living a holy life, or, you know, we talked about searching for sin. We can ask the question, am I living differently from the world? Uh, is God speaking to me about anything specific? Are God's priorities my priorities? So we spend this time evaluating, right? Um, here's what I will tell you. You have to spend that time evaluating, but you don't stay there. If you stay there, you're going to be really disappointed at yourself sometimes because we, we have a tendency to get down on ourselves and we say, man, I wish I could. I wish I could do this. I wish I did this. Um, you, you evaluate. You get an honest look at your life. But here's step two. Step two is uh, this word direction. We decide what direction we're going. Decide what direction we're going. When I talked about at the beginning that God gives us this freedom, uh, it, I always come back to this verse, Joshua 24. He says in verse 15, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God gives you this ability to choose what direction you're going. All right? You have this freedom to say, with my life, I am serving God. With my schedule, I am serving God. You do not have to let things happen to you. You can happen to them, okay? You can come at your schedule with some intentionality to serve the Lord. You can come at your financial priorities with intentionality to serve the Lord. You can come at your time spent. Uh, what, what do you do with your mornings? Could you use that time with the Lord? Uh, listen to these words that God uses in the Bible. Colossians 3, verse 2, the Bible says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. It's, it's, it's not the idea that uh, our affections, what we care about, are being set. God says set it. It's much like a thermostat, right? Uh, when you, you, you get to adjust the temperature to your desired preference. Uh, when it comes to setting your affections, God says, you know who gets to decide what you care about? Nobody but you. You decide what you care about. You know who gets to decide what you do with your time? You do. You know who gets to decide what, what gets paid first and what bills happen and uh, whether or not you read and all these things? You do. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. You could care about the cars you drive and the, uh, the retirement and all of the things that are down here and all of the concerns, the things, but the, we're supposed to set our affection on things above. 
the Bible says, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Matthew 6, Jesus says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first. Jesus says we're supposed to prioritize intentionally God first, right? God first. First in our schedule, first in our finances, first in our priorities, first in our love. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Each one of us has the freedom to choose who we will serve. And really, it's at the time where you evaluate and you see your life. You look into the mirror. And you, you know, when you go to the mirror in the morning, you don't look the greatest. Uh, and, and you look in that mirror and you got like, you got like a zit that came up, you know, next to your nose. Or your hair is slicked up in one way. You have this decision at the time you look in that mirror to either just walk away and stay that way or fix it. Right? You get it. That's just a point of decision. You see the problems. It's right there in front of you. And so you need to decide the direction you're going. You can walk away from this evaluation. You say, you know what? The health of my marriage is not great. I have an anger problem. I have a sin. I have, I have whatever issue. I, you know what? My money is being wasted. I, I waste my money. I don't spend it on what God wants me to spend on. I just spend on whatever I want to. I don't even have a plan. God wants me to be a manager, a steward, but I just waste and do what I want. Well, you can say at that point, when you see those problems, you can either say, okay, I'm just going to deal with it. I'm just going to live this way. Or you can change your direction. You have freedom to change your direction, all right? You can do that. We have that ability to do that. So we have an evaluation. We change our direction. And now here brings us to point number three, because this is probably the turning point of everything. Uh, You decide your direction, but when you decide your direction, you have to deal with these issues. You have to deal with them. And it's this word, repentance. Repentance. You need to identify these areas that need changing, and we're going to make a plan of action to change them. Revelation chapter 2 talks about a church. says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. What do you do when you evaluate your priorities and you see... My priorities aren't God's priorities. You say, when you recognize that I really love myself, I really love my stuff, I really love this world, what do you do when you see that? The Bible says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of this place except thou repent. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Proverbs 28.13 He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. There's this, pri- there's this principle in the Bible. There's this teaching. You know how you deal with an issue that you have? You repent. 
you recognize and you confess it to God and you make a decision to forsake it. Repentance does not mean feeling sorry and feeling bad. Repentance means taking intentional actions to change, okay? Um, Have you ever had a time in your life where you had a time of serious repentance? You know what I'm talking about? For many of you, you do remember the time that you trusted Jesus as Savior. Maybe he radically changed you. You were doing your own thing and living in sin, doing whatever, and he showed you your sin and you changed. I mean, he, he, you acknowledged it, you confessed it, and you forsaked it. Uh, I, I remember, uh, so I got saved when I was 12. I really hadn't committed a whole lot of sin. Uh, I knew that I was a sinner, but I trusted Christ when I was 12 years old. And uh, uh, so I, uh, I followed my youth pastor around for... Uh, what do they call it, career shadowing day, you know, where you follow somebody around. Uh, that was, that was my, my youth. I, w- I went to youth group. Uh, so I got saved when I was 12. I went to youth group. I went to church. I had my friends in church. Uh, but it wasn't until I had went to Bible college, went to uh, a church and served for a while, and then I was in between ministries serving, uh, working at Verizon Wireless that I, I really had to come to a point where God brought me to a point of repentance. And I, I remember it so clearly. And some sins are obvious. Anger, lust, greed, bitterness. But the ones that get overlooked in America are the ones uh, that are a little more acceptable where we leave our first love. It's, a, it's our, when our priorities are off. I had gotten to a point where I had no spiritual goals. My goals were about what I could buy. I mean, I was working. The reason I was working was to try and buy things that I could buy and enjoy them and uh, plan vacations. And, uh, you know, I I just wanted to accumulate things. And I got to a point where I read one day in Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And God clearly spoke to me. He said, listen, you are seeking all the things and you've left me last. So you have all the things, but you're missing the most important, which is me. We're supposed to seek him and then he gives us all the things. You understand? We're sometimes pursuing the wrong things. And I had to make a change. And I remember this and it's really served as as an example for me. And I, I know it was only by God's grace that he let me make these decisions. I, I put in my two weeks notice where I was at and I changed my, I told my boss, I said, I've got to go back into ministry. Uh, I know that my priorities are wrong and they let me stay on for a month and a half at Verizon. And then I, you know, God led and worked out things and I ended up here. <laughs> it was really a crazy time in my life. But that is what repentance in my life looked like. I only share that with you to kind of give you an example. Repentance isn't simply saying, oh, I wish things were, would change. Oh, I feel bad. It is saying, I recognize the problem and I'm taking an intentional, a designed, I'm, I'm making a, a designed, purposeful step in the opposite direction. I'm going in a different way. We identify areas that need changing and we change them. In James chapter 4, uh, James chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible says, Go to now, ye that say, 
Today or tomorrow we'll go into such a city, continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And what it does is it addresses this thing we do where we plan, but we leave God out of our plans, right? Uh, They were saying, we're going to go here and we're going to go into this city and we're going to buy this and we're going to sell this. And they have these specific things they were doing. But what they weren't saying was, verse 15, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. It says, but now you rejoice in your boastings. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. All such rejoicing is evil, they said in James 4. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. When we get into this step one of realizing where we are, it's not always just a matter of the sins of commission. What am I doing wrong? I have a bad attitude. I complain. I curse. I drink. Whatever. Uh, A lot of times it's the sins of omission. What's God telling me to do that I'm not doing? What, what do I know I should do, but I'm not currently doing? Whether that means prioritizing uh, God in my finances, whether that means uh, serving, whether that means, I don't know what that means for you. It could mean a number of things. Um, but therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And when we confess our sin and forsake our sin, we find mercy. We find mercy. We find this help. We find this hope. And it's at that point that we can begin to implement what God has for us. So uh, really today, we've got evaluation, right? We spend time, open up God's Word, get alone, look around at your life. This may be something you kind of fumble through uh, the first time. But a time of just self-reflection on your priorities and the areas of life in which you live and serve, allow God to speak into that. And when you see things that need change, determine your direction that you're not going to stay there. You're going to follow the Lord and then repent. Confess those areas to the Lord. If your priorities are off, it's not just an area of, oh God, I, I just have wrong priorities. God, I have sinned against you. I have left you in the dust and been serving myself. You need to get honest with yourself um, because you won't serve Jesus on accident.